Good morning. How you doing on this chilly uh, end of November holiday weekend? Keep warm. It's just a foretaste of what's coming in the next couple months. Uh, well, yeah, as Peter said, this is my last Sunday with you. Um, it has been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for your hospitality. Um, uh, towards my wife and I. Uh, we now consider you new friends, and I hope you'll consider us as your friends too. You know? um, over the last uh, several weeks, the focus of my talks has been how to, um, uh, how to interact in a meaningful way with the Holy Spirit, who is the main ingredient in the Christian life. And um, if I were to summarize where we've been over these weeks, it would be the thought that uh, the spirit-empowered life, what we might call the spirit-filled life, walking in the spirit, is about, it's, it, it actually is about surrender. It's about trusting and surrender and allowing the Holy Spirit to control our lives. And the more we learn, the more we get into the habit of relinquishing control to him, the greater the capacity we have to be filled and empowered by him. The key is trusting and obeying. It's the same lessons that we teach our little children in Sunday school every Sunday. We have to learn that day by day, week after week, month after month, year by year. Okay? It's, and in my last talk, I likened this interaction this trusting and obeying and allowing ourselves to come under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit as a dance. If you'll read, those of you that were here, you'll recall. It's much like a, a dance that the Holy, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have invited us into. And, you know, so uh, today, Oh, before I, 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 I get into this, I just wanted to remind you that in my, the last time I was here, I brought some books with me. I'm no Superman, Holy Spirit Ministry for the rest of us. And if you weren't here, we have some left on the back. These are our gift to you. Uh, it's a book that contains the lessons that I have been teaching as well as others. Very practical helps for uh, everyday Christians to be able to live a healthy life with the Holy Spirit. So if you don't have one, go grab one before you leave, okay? They're yours. All right. Koinonia and the Spirit-empowered life. You know, most Christians think of the Spirit-empowered life in individual terms. Okay? So, 
you know, as a solely personal experience. But while it may be profoundly personal, the New Testament views the spirit-empowered life as a communal experience. A certain life shared with other believers. Many of you, you know, have grown to view the spirit-empowered life or spirit-empowered living in the context of simply a life that is given to gifted individuals. Individuals that go around preaching inspired gospel messages and performing signs and wonders. While in, and and in, in some respect, that might be seen, it, it could be seen that way. However, this isn't quite what Jesus meant when he said to his disciples that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. This individualistic view of the Spirit-empowered life is way too narrow. It's, it's, it's too shallow of a view of what actually happened on Pentecost. A more accurate view of, uh, uh, of being a witness is something that you are together, corporately, as, as the Good News Church, the Good News community, as well as something that you do as individuals. It's a corporate thing as well as an individual thing. You see, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the miracle of tongues uh, that was understood by a multinational group of people visiting Jerusalem at Pentecost was a sign that, uh, that God was launching, giving birth to a whole new world. God was creating a new, unified humanity, a new, unified family. And the story of Pentecost is the story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Jesus' followers with the result that the life of Jesus will be now lived in them as a community. You see, most tend to look at the Spirit's vital work. You know, we, let me backtrack. It is mostly overlooked. The Spirit's role as a community builder a community sustainer, see? And in the aftermath of Pentecost, the very next thing we read in the book of Acts is the creation of community. We have the outpouring on the day of Pentecost and in the aftermath 
in the afterglow of that outpouring comes community. And if you ask me, that community is the primary sign of spirit-empowered living. A new Jesus kind of community with lots of Jesus-like activity going on, including signs and wonders. We read, you know, uh, uh, Luke gives us a description, a little thumbnail, uh, 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 a thumbnail uh, summary of what that community was like when we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to the, anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Now the word used in this passage to describe this new community is fellowship. The Greek word, the original word, is koinonia. This was more than a bunch of friends socializing. This was loving community connection flowing from the heart of God. And the result, it was the result of being baptized into Christ by the Spirit. Paul put it this way, for by one Spirit, we, we, corporately, were all baptized into one body, one community, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink one spirit. Koinonia is the very substance of this spirit baptism uniting us to Christ and to one another as family, as one body. And while spirit baptism is profoundly personal, it's not the private experience most associate with it. It joins us with others. It joins us with Christ and his family. You see, at Pentecost, those first spirit-filled believers responded by speaking in the languages of the nations, a mark of, of reconciliation and coming together and becoming one. The spirit baptism brings together male, female, young, old, bond, and free, Jew, Gentile. It tears down dividing walls. It puts an end to hostility 
alienation, separation. Spirit baptism doesn't only produce empowered individuals. It produces empowered community. Empowered by love in order to love one another and to love a broken, uh, hurting world the way Jesus loved the world. And as we read in Acts, this koinonia community, uh, this life together was, was, a pow was powerful evidence in the, uh, of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. See? And these first Christians were bearing witness by demonstrating a beautiful new way of doing life together. So attractive was this life together that outsiders who saw what was going on, more and more, you know, it attracted them to come and see what was going on and join. And so people were added every day. Devote, you know, as they, they, they bore witness as they devoted themselves not simply to a social activities, but to a relationship that consisted of sharing together the very life of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They had entered this relationship by faith in Jesus Christ, not by joining some organization. And their fellowship with God brought them into fellowship with one another. They, they, they weren't simply united uh, in common goals and purposes. They, were, they shared a common life together in Christ. Their union with Christ formed them into a spiritually organic community. They were living stones being built into a spiritual house, Peter said. They were you know, fellow members of the body of Christ. And so Koinonia formed the, the inner life of that first Jerusalem church. As the Spirit shaped their lives and bonded them together, they shared an interactive life together, living out the one another's that we read about in, in the epistles. They took care of one another. They responded to one another's needs. They invited people into their homes. They gave them beds. They fed them meals. They collected money to meet their needs. Their witness flowing from this unity and quality of life became a light to their neighbors in the city. People took notice. You see, this was Jesus' high priestly prayer. Remember in the upper room, chapter 17 of John, Jesus prays for the church. And this community and this type of life was an answer to that prayer. Jesus prayed, 
that all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be one, Father, just as you and I are, <clears throat> just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And as they lived out this shared life in full view of a love-starved world, they bore witness to the love of God revealed in Christ, demonstrating in concrete, everyday ways, visible ways, God the Father actually loves this world. The power at work behind the church's witness back in Jerusalem then and today here in New York City is fundamentally the power of love and of selflessness in a selfish, broken world. A life of love, reconciliation, and service produced by the Holy Spirit. Now, this doesn't <clears throat> diminish the importance of individual Christians operating in their spiritual gifts or limit ministry to programs and activities simply in the local church. This simply places spirit-empowered ministry such as acts of kindness, healing, deliverance, miracles, the prophetic, in their proper context, which is within the support of mutually edifying and accountable relationships which koinonia provides. You see, the fruit of the Spirit, character, Christ-like character, and the gifts of the Spirit, Christ-like anointing, are brought together in a healthy balance and brought to maturity through this shared life together in community. Koinonia isn't simply sitting around in holy huddles on Sunday. It's missional, outward focused. It's community in action. This community life, this koinonia, plays a basic fundamental role in the plan of redemption. It's God's gift of communion whereby he tears down walls and draws humanity into the orbit of his generous self-giving love. You see, I don't believe that the Great Commission can be properly carried out apart from spirit empowered community. Spiritual gifts are simply the tools 
Christ <clears throat> uh, Christ has given the, 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 the church in order to build up community and carry out his ministry, his purpose, his mission in the world. There's lots more I can say about community, especially in, a, in, a, in the last two years where community life has, has undergone such a dramatic challenges. Just being together today is a challenge. Let me just give this one final word. The good and beautiful life God has designed for us the life I believe all humans desire to live simply cannot be fully experienced without being drawn into life together as the body of Christ. Spirit-filled living isn't a private do-it-yourself business. John Wesley once said, Christianity is a social religion. To turn it into a solitary affair is to kill it. If your experience with God is simply a private thing, you're living an incomplete, less than fully spirit-empowered life. Over the course of my life, I've had many encounters with God's Spirit. But among the most powerful and meaningful and lasting were experiences with other believers. As we worship together, as we listen to the gospel together, as we prayed together, as we served together. You see, we experience the Holy Spirit most completely and responsibly through a life shared in community. Spiritual, uh, excuse me, spiritual maturity cannot be realized apart from engaging in koinonia community. It's the place of our continued growth in Christ. But let me say this. Koinonia life is challenging. It's not easy. As beneficial and essential as it is, it's never been convenient. Even in the best of times, it requires humility and sacrifice, and it makes us vulnerable to one another. Sharing life with other human beings opens us up to the real possibility of being disappointed, being misunderstood, being hurt. There's risk involved. Which means, though 
Koinonia is a gift. We must choose to receive and commit to it. And this, like everything else in the Christian life, requires faith. I do it not because it feels good, not because it's convenient. I do it because I trust Jesus and his goodness and his wisdom. And he says, do it. And when I do it, I experience something good. And I wonder why in the world have I resisted it? Spirit-filled community living is as much a choice as it is a gift. It's a daily choice, an act of faith. Will you live your Christian life on your own or shared with others? Don't settle for being a Lone Ranger Christian or simply a, a Sunday attender, simply a face in the crowd or on the screen for those that are viewing in. Say yes to taking the plunge into the deep waters of spirit-empowered community life. Over the last two years of social distance separation, many of you have gotten used to living out your faith all alone. But now, as we slowly emerge from our isolation, we need to recover community life and spirit-empowered living that flows from it. We need to commit to a life lived together, even though it may still be different. It might be still different from those good old pre-COVID days. Choose to actively connect with others in community in some way that's possible, whether it's virtually right now or in person. In small groups studying and praying together or, and, and, and casually socializing with one another. Getting to know one another as well as being known. Giving as well as receiving. Caring as well as being cared for. Serving as well as being served. Engaged, team-oriented. Each playing their part. Sharing your gifts and talents while benefiting, benefiting from the gifts and talents of others. Together, putting Christ's love into action for all the world to see and to be drawn into by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Okay. Can we stand? <clears throat> Again, I know that conditions for community are, are, are extremely difficult and hard, and even in some cases could be unhealthy. But there, there are ways that we can 
stay connected to one another without putting ourselves at risk. A phone call, a video call, Zooming each other, being in touch, staying in touch. And it takes an effort, an extra effort. But there's a benefit to it that we all need. So let's pray. Lord, in your presence right now, we stand and we say yes to your gift of koinonia. Even though it has become so difficult to live out here in this city under these COVID conditions, we welcome it and receive your gift. We commit ourselves to actively sharing in it and cooperating in it. Lord, Give us a, 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 a we way of thinking rather than a me way of thinking. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, now for the Good News Church community. You have planted them in this city. You, Holy Spirit, have given birth to this church. I pray, Lord, that you will make them, make this community here a beacon of hope, a light in a dark, dark world, a place of healing and hope, place where lie, broken lives are mended and souls are saved. I pray for the witness of this community, loving one another and loving their neighbors, that you will empower them and they will become an irresistible force for good here in the city. In Jesus' strong and powerful name, I pray. Amen.